negative, hurtful effect that can happen on people when you don't choose your words wisely. Keaton says here, they made fun of my nose. They called me ugly. They say I have no friends. Here's a, a little boy in sixth grade who's just getting pummeled by poisonous words. He probably sees that or hears that every day, and you can you just imagine the mental abuse that he's been through. Friends, the Bible talks about how the tongue has this power to bring blessing and life or curses and death to a person. Words have the power to build up and encourage, but they also have the uh, to tear down and destroy. And you know, it's it's not only our choice of words that one uses, it's how these words are said to one another or to people. But for the words that come out of the mouth, they reveal what is really inside of us, where our heart is. So brothers and sisters, you know, I, I just want you to remember that to think before you actually speak, because any type of gossip, any type of talking behind someone's back, or anything critical in that nature is definitely not a mark of walking in God's spirit. There is power in words, whether they're used for good or evil, and they have a significant impact in our world, in our reality, and they make an even deeper impact into our human soul. And so today, I would like to examine how God's word makes an impact in our reality. His words are impacted because they come out of a heart of love. God's heart and desire for us, his creation, is to bless us. And how it, I'd like to basically look at this as an unpack it for you by looking at what God's word does, this action, this verb. So as we continue in this series of sermons on Dallas Willard's book, um, all of you have been studying hearing God. We're going to come to this this chapter here, chapter six, called the Word of God and the Rule of God. Now, this chapter is rich with so much stuff, and I could not possibly uh, squeeze this into the sermon. But what I'm going to focus on today is how God's Word creates, how God's Word rules, and how God's Word redeems in, within our reality. And then I'll switch gears a little bit uh, halfway through the sermon. I'm going to share some practical things about how you can hear God's voice more clearly. Does that sound good? Yes, okay. Well, let's begin with how God creates, how God's Word creates. And I, for this, I'd like us to turn to the first book of the Bible called Genesis. Genesis 1, 1 to 5 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. You know, it was simply by the power of God's spoken word that light was brought into the universe. And for each day of creation, we see that God says this, and God said. The amazing thing about God is he made everything in the universe, all of creation, out of nothing. 
Bible scholars like to use this Latin term, uh, maybe you've heard it called ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. But he did not need to create out of pre-existing uh, materials. He merely spoke and there was light. He spoke and there were seeds and the sky formed. The ground formed, the stars fell into place and he spoke every living creature in the sea and the earth, including us, mankind. The Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament, uh, God calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is how special our God is and how infinitely separate he is from his creation. You see, God created man in his own image. The ability to create, um, but man is limited in his ability in that we can't create out of, you know, out of nothing. Right? We need pre-existing stuff to be there. So in his book, you know, Hearing God, uh, Willard states, we can create and invent things, but we can't create something like a jet engine by simply saying, let there be a jet engine, right? The closest thing that we have to that, Willard says, is, is there's this involuntary, oh, sorry, there's this voluntary motions of the body, such as the hands, the feet, and the face, and then the voluntary wide-ranging journeys of our inward thoughts. So once you think it in your mind, you automatically raise your hand, just like I did right now. Are there any Star Wars fans up there? <laughs> so the last night just premiered this weekend. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I grew up uh, watching those movies and such. And probably like some of you that are fans here, maybe as a kid, you wish that you could do these force tricks, right? You know, the, the ones that I'm talking about, these Jedi mind tricks where, like, Obi-Wan saying, these are the droids, you know? Well, I always wanted to do these and try to work it on my parents, right? My parents are actually here. <laughs> and I always want to say, oh, I've already taken out the garbage. Or, you don't need to see my report card. <laughs> or, I will get to use the car tonight. Right? So, no, I didn't try those things. But you know what I mean? You wanted to have these things that you thought in your mind, these words, materialize, right? And even in the Star Wars movies, Luke was, was all about using the Force by, by grabbing things, like grab, uh, thinking his lightsaber uh, into his hand when it was like 50 feet away or something like that. Well, you know, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how loud I spoke in trying to do this, it never worked. Why? First of all, Star Wars is a movie, duh, right? <laughs> but really, it's because I did not know what my limitations were as a human being. And the Bible says that God created us as finite beings. We don't have this physical control of anything that's outside of our bodies, all right? And turning off your house lights when you're um, using your smartphone app, and while you're here, that doesn't count, right? Because you're, you're holding your smartphone, right? You still have to have something to hold on. That's an extension of yourself, right? We can't use a hammer and nail it into the ground 
uh, unless you pick up that hammer physically and start pounding away. And then on top of that, because of man's finiteness, to consciously learn how to actually do things, right? If we want to make a cake, we have to know how to use our fingers, how to know how to use our hands and crack eggs, mix them in a bowl, you know, stuff them in the oven, set the timer and, and you know, wait for it to cook. And recently my, my son, he created this piece of art in kindergarten class, which will be coming up in a second. And, and, you know, of course, I'm biased, right? I was totally blown away by his creativity. He didn't actually speak this into existence, obviously. He, he needed to use his fingers, his hands. He needed to gather the resources, the, the scissors, the paper, and the glue to cut this, uh, cut the paper up and, and stick everything together, and then voila, this piece of art. And he calls it the night sky. You know, in contrast, God has this power to just speak and something comes into existence from nothingness. And we see and experience the universe, our reality, all because God spoke it into existence. But God's word does not stop in its creating power. God's rule, God rule God's word rules his kingdom in heaven and earth. He's continually at work and continues to interact with, create, with his creation through his word. This is what we understand to be God's providence. In other words, his directing of the universe and the affairs of humankind with, with wise benevolence. Through God's providence, um, his words rule through two things, through preservation and its word rule as government. Through preservation, um, what God is doing here is that he's maintaining the creation he had brought into existence. He protects his creation from harm and destruction, as well as provides for the needs of the elements or members of creation. In the Old Testament, uh, the book of Nehemiah says, and you preserve all of them, and the hosts of heaven worships you. In the New Testament, Hebrew says, and he upholds the universe by the path by the word of his power. Through God's providence, his words rule as government. Looking for ways to make work days more productive? You'll find them at Staples. Check out these handy purposes in creation. And those purposes cannot be thwarted by sin. His words govern nature, they guide and direct the animal creation. And they affect human history and even the destiny of nations. So related to God's providence is also this aspect of miracles. So when we talk about miracles, we're actually referring to a special supernatural work of God's providence. And you can't really explain this with patterns of nature, the laws of nature. You know, the Old Testament is filled with miracles, from the parting of the Red Sea to uh, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace. You know, God is this supernatural being interacting with his creation, this natural world, and he does something totally out of the ordinary, something that would be impossible 
according to the laws of nature. And so if you guys remember, or if you've already studied chapter six of hearing God, Willard refers to the healing of the, the centurion's servant. And just to refresh our minds, I'd like us to read this together. So uh, listen for us here, that passage from Luke chapter 7, 1 to 10. Let's all read this together, okay? Uh, from verse 1. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion his friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come on my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but you say the word and let the servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those had been sent turned to the house, they found service well. The centurion recognized that Jesus spoke with supernatural authority, and that by the mere utterance of his words, a miracle would take place. And Jesus' response to this, this uh, Gentile is amazement. And so the New Testament even records numerous instances where Jesus speaks in power. He cures the blind. He exercises demons. He makes lepers whole again. And he brings the lame uh, to walking. And in the gospel, we record one of his famous miracles, which is when the, the stormy seas, um, he was out in the boat with, uh, with his disciples. And all he did to calm the storm was say, peace. Be still. The wind ceased and there was great calm. And then he went to ask his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Why are you still no faith? They were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, it's, it's a wonder why his disciples took so long to clue into who Jesus really was. Because no one else except God could speak with such. So God word, God's word creates, God word, God's word rules, and God's word God's ultimate expression of himself to us is through the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. John 1, 1, 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and with, without him was not anything made that was made. Moving on to verse 14. And this word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of 
of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, this is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Because the Messiah, the Redeemer of mankind, was born. And he was even called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it is through Jesus, the Word becoming flesh, that God has brought salvation and redemption, not only to, not only to our sinful mankind, but to the entire fallen creation. What a demonstration of love that God would do this for us. Well, let's put this hearing of God's word into action. It's all well and good that the Bible tells us God word, God's word does this, right? It creates rules and redeems. But how can I see this realized in my life? What we need to consider is God's main way of speaking to us today is through the Bible. And God's Holy Spirit indwelling the believer helps us understand what is written in these pages. So I want to give you two exercises to practice in your daily walk with God. So this first one is called SOAP. And SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. With Scripture, so this is a, a very practical guide, and it very much follows what uh, Dallas Willard was talking about in doing in these Lectio, and, uh, Lectio Divina exercises. All you'll need is your Bible, um, you know, the translation that you can best understand, and, and something to record your thoughts. So, you know, a notebook, if you're used to uh, a laptop or a tablet, but have something so that you can record it. And so the first thing you do uh, is look at Scripture. And as you read through a section of Scripture, zero in and focus on one specific passage and that strikes you in a special way. And make this passage your focal point reflection. So whether you do your devotionals or um, um, you just go and read through the Bible 365 day plan or something like that, you're um, in on, on something specific there. O observation means what do you observe about this key passage and what is God saying to you as word? What are your thoughts about what you observe? A standing for application is in light of what God says in this passage, what's he calling you to do in response? So sometimes it may be obvious, or sometimes it may take a little bit of consideration, a little thought. And take, take the step to be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer, as, as the uh, Apostle James says. Lastly, prayer. As you've heard God speak to you through the words of Scripture, respond to him speaking back to him and asking him to open your eyes. Thank him for speaking to you. And then ask him for strength to respond rightly to this truth that you discovered. So in this time that you spend with God, write out what's going on um, in your experiences, your observations, your reflections. Think about you know, the high points and low points in your life, maybe frustrations, decisions and ideas. What's God doing in your life right now? You know, any impressions that God has placed on me? And then this is important. What's the next step in my walk with you? In developing my character? In any of my relationships? 
Are you doing in my service to you, God? I like to think salt is this means of cleaning or purifying, renewing our minds so that we become more like Jesus. So that's soap. The second exercise that um, I'd like you to try is, is this. It's called the power of pausing. So what's pausing? It's taking a moment out of our busy day to pause and listen to God's voice. There's so many things that go on with our, our lives, right? From going to work, you know, driving, to, driving to and from work, meeting deadlines at work, um, you know, doing overtime, picking up our kids from school, cooking dinner, you know, binging on Netflix. You know, we need to take a, a moment away, a time out, to tune in to our Creator. Just remember that when we have a relationship with Jesus, it's this ongoing dialogue. It's this ongoing conversation. And Jesus was a perfect example of this. Uh, and at times he did this with his disciples. Um, so you can picture one specific instance where he was in the temple. Where it was very busy, people coming in to worship. And Jesus strategically picks the spot, sits down you know, with his disciples. And just looks looks into the crowd, looks yeah. into the faces, looks into the people. They're bringing their offering uh, into the house of God, and then he sees something right in the distance. Yeah. What is it? He sees this little old woman bringing her two uh, bit coins to put into the to the money box. I'm gonna read for you. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watch the people putting money into the offering box. box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, where they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. You know, in pausing for God, we ask him, we want to ask him this, what are you showing me? We need to realize God wants us to see something. Have we paused long enough to see God, to see through God's eyes? Also in pausing, we ask, well, God, what are you saying to me? What are you showing me in this, 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 this situation? What do you want me to hear? And then what do you want me to do about it? I'm going to give you an example uh, of, what, of one of these times of pausing that I can remember in recent memory. I was at uh, Power Change headquarters, um, and we had some time to basically go for a walk and have some quiet time. And so I went and walked in the strip mall beside us, um, and and it was called the Lally Town Center. And during my walk, I encountered a fountain, a bakery, and a physiotherapy clinic. You know, I was focused in, in having this conversation with God, and I heard him speaking to me about these objects and saying this. He was telling me, I am the living water, and through him, I would never thirst. And he showed me that he was the bread of life that I needed daily. 
And then finally with, you know, the physiotherapy clinic, he, he basically told me that I am the great physician that heals and restores, restores me to wholeness. And if I can summarize that whole pause moment in my day, you know, it's not more than, you know, five or 10 minutes. It would be that God was saying to me, I am your sustenance. I am your sustenance. I will take care of you all. And I will give you all that you need to live. That was really a powerful moment for myself, hearing God say that. And I needed to hear that. Sometimes, He's going to speak to us very directly through these pause moments. He'll address this need or this concern, um, or even show you some sort of spiritual truth. And then other times when you're in these pause moments, God will show you something and you'll ask him, well, what do you want me to do with this? And he'll simply tell you, nothing. I just wanted to show you. You know, I'm going to give everybody a pause button. Uh, Henry's going to be passing out these little magnetic um, circles that you can stick on your fridge or you can put in your pocket or place at work, stick on something metal. But the purpose of this pause button is, is, is so that you remember to pause before God each day. Because everybody gets busy, right? Everybody gets busy. So how... Uh, Henry, you can just uh, distribute all, all these things. And hopefully there's enough for everybody to this. So the next time you see it, I want you to pause and ask God to speak into your reality. You'll see something truly amazing. I guarantee you, you will. So I'd like to conclude for us a prayer. And this, is a, this is a prayer called the Prayer of Awareness, and it's by Ken Dyer. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, help me to be aware of the pictures in my life that are everywhere around me and at all times. Showing me something I need to see. Telling me something I need to hear. Offering me something I need to receive. Help me look beyond the surface of those pictures to see windows. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive what you are offering me through those windows, that I might sense what is dear to you, so that it may not so that it might become what is dear to me. Because God, you are continually speaking into our reality. May your word continue to impact our lives and those around us that people know that you are God and that you love us and you desire to be in relationship with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let our worship team close with our song response.